Uh, wanted to give a, a plug as well for the Memorial Day weekend. We're a few days, uh, a few weeks out from that still. But there is a work camp, Bible camp, and it is uh, everyone who wants to participate, you're welcome to come. If you want more information, uh, get signed up for it, talk to me. But it's, it's, it's free, which is awesome. And you can come, bring your skills, and uh, work uh, to set up the Bible camp for the summer. And there's uh, about 1,600 people or so per year use the Bible camp and participate and find spiritual encouragement there. And it's a great way that, that we, being pretty close, can participate there. So there's all sorts of skills that I know that people in the church here have that you can bring to the table and be a huge blessing there during the weekend. Kids are welcome. Families are welcome. Uh, just let me know if you'd like to be there. And if you can only be there part of it, that's great too. But it's great to, uh, to be able to, to be there and even during this, and maybe especially during this, the work camp, there's great spiritual encouragement that happens during that time as well. Because uh, there's something about working side by side with other people for a common cause that, that, that is, is uh, really amazing. I know that the teens and uh, college students are going to be going ahead of us uh, down this weekend, if you have questions about that. Talk to Dan and Tisha Staley. They're going to be taking a crew down there to participate here this weekend coming up. Okay, we're going to, I'm going to read uh, in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47 again. And we spent the last uh, two and a half months going through talking about what does it mean to be the community of the Holy Spirit? What does God ask of us in that we know that Jesus came, he sent his Holy Spirit, and how should that change the way we live as a community? And we looked in and have spent some time here in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, and we spent some time on that, talking about how important it is for all of us to get in and love God's Word, and to fellowship, to interacting with each other, and whenever we come in contact with each other, that we're deliberate about encouraging each other and bringing each other closer to heaven. To the breaking of bread, we talked about the Lord's Supper last week, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with great and many great was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Hey, today we're going to talk about prayer. And prayer is one of those things that is pretty easy to define, isn't it? So if we're going to say, give a definition for prayer, we would say we are just, what, talking to God. That's the, the gist of it. But I've learned throughout my life and as I've studied Scripture more is that prayer does a whole lot more than that. It's, it's more than just talking to God, but it is one of those growth experiences that we learn a whole lot about, our, about ourselves in the process as well, based on the types of things that we pray and, and, and the motives that we pray for. I know that uh, when I was a kid, something my, my mom uh, gave me a, a discussion about once is that somewhere along the line, you know, I grew up, my parents said, we need to pray before meals, you need to pray before bedtime, and this is important to be a person that, prayer, that prays because that's what we as Christians do. We're people of prayer. So my parents would demonstrate that. But I remember I got into, I guess I could call it a rut or a growing experience at one point in time, where I had a prayer that was about 30 seconds long that I had memorized, and it was always the same. And so when it was my time to word the prayer during, uh, during supper or before bed, I 
would say this same prayer and got to where I could say it pretty quickly and run through it pretty pretty quickly. And I remember my parents saying, all right, Chris, we've got to take a time out here, all right, because you have memorized this thing, and yes, you're talking to God, and yes, God hears the prayers, but don't you think he wants to hear something different from you instead of just the same thing? Don't you think he wants to hear what's in your heart, what's going on with your, your head right now? And so I was forced, under duress, to amend my memorized prayer that I had so greatly polished and start praying from the heart again. And I had to, to, to realize how, and, and wrestle through that uh, it, as, a, as a young kid. And I know that as time has gone on and I've listened to the prayers of other people and I've, I've heard the hearts of other people poured out before God, I've learned a whole lot about uh, others. I've learned a whole lot about myself in the process. And I've learned that Talking to God, although it can be very simple, there's aspects of it when I'm truly sincere with God, are very difficult to wrestle through at times. But as a community of the Spirit, as a people of the Holy Spirit, as we are, that's something we're called to do, to wrestle through a life of prayer and that we continue to work to be in contact with God. Hey, there's some things that we're, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time with today. There's, it's important to talk about the mechanics of prayer. You know, we sit down or we, we get on our knees or there's times that we, that we pray publicly, there's times we pray quietly to ourselves, all of that. And we're not going to deal with so much the mechanics of prayer, but we're going to deal with today the material that we see, the things that we pray for, and the motives in how we approach God. Is when you, you do one lesson on prayer, there's a whole lot that is going to be left out, and that's definitely the case today. But I wanted to back up, before we even get to talking about prayer, is to talk about what are, what are our life perspectives that influence how we approach prayer. And as I, I ran across some material this week and spent some time praying and thinking about this, the more important this came, uh, became to me. There's a, one life perspective that we can have, is that if we view life from a static perspective, and that nothing that I can really do change the, changes the, the future. I'm just here. I'm just going along. I'm, I'm doing what I need to do. But really, who am I to do anything to make any type of change whatsoever? Now, we can have this kind of perspective on purpose. It's called Calvinism. It's the perspective, it's a, it's a type of, of thought process within Christendom that says, because God knows everything already, the future is already set, and really, even to the point that our decisions are, are made for us, and we just go along through life, and, and all that is, is, is already preordained for us. That's the idea. And there's different shades of that, but that's the, the basic idea. We can also have this type of perspective on accident. When we just have a really low view of ourself, and we just see the world as... And not something we can necessarily put in words, but we just see the world as this place out there that is so big and so complex that I'm just kind of floating along by this 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 boat that's got all these these waves and, and wind around us that I'm just not sure where I'm going to end up, and I'm just going along. When we approach life this way and we see life this way from a static perspective, what happens is we tend to, as a result, not approach God in prayer very much. Or, or we, we, don't, we don't pray with a whole lot of confidence that the prayers are going to be answered because we see that it's already done. Now, what, what difference is my little old prayer going to make because everything is already out there decided and there's not much difference that I can make? Another perspective, a life perspective, is um, the idea of the, that the world around us is nature-controlled or, or choice-controlled. 
in that I control the future or I control my own destiny and every decision I make, there's an outcome that is a result of that. Now, a whole lot of that, both sides of this, there's aspects of it that are true. But we can do this on purpose. Uh, it's, a, it's an idea called deism, that God started the world, he created it, wound it up like a big clock and let it go. And he is not really participatory in our life right now. He doesn't have his hands involved in our lives. He is just there sitting back watching to see what's going to happen. And so the choices that we make make all the difference in the world for, for what happens in the future. Okay, another way of approaching this, uh, not on purpose, but on accident or having this perspective, is that if we have a really, really high view of self, that we don't see the world around us as us sitting in this boat where there's waves and there's wind everywhere, but we see the world as an absolute blank page ahead of me, and I'm going to make this decision, and I'm going to get my desired result, and this is what's going to happen from here out. And we can approach life that way, but the problem is what happens when a car wreck comes flying in one afternoon, when life was one way at the beginning of the day and it's totally different at the end of the day? That type of thing. It doesn't account for things that we can't control in life. And so if we have this type of view of life, and again, praying through uh, how we see life is important to help us see life from a, a, a better perspective that helps us approach God in a, in a way that's more honorable. But when we approach life this way, ultimately, what happens with our prayer life? If we're ultimately in control of whatever happens, it's not as important to pray as it is to get up and do something about it and get moving and get, get on with life. And I found that this perspective is lacking as well. Because when you look back at some of the, the people that, that uh, have made big changes in our religious world, if you can say that, there are people that have said, there's, there's one church leader of the past that said, I have so much to do today that I better start off this day with three hours of prayer, otherwise I will never get everything done. You see that perspective? And that perspective, if I'm truly honest, is quite a bit different than how mine is oftentimes. As I wrestle with, okay, um, I've got all this stuff to do today, and so I don't do this consciously, but I'm just going to skip the, the prayer time today so that I can just get after things because I need these things to get done and I need to get rolling. A better perspective for us when we approach prayer is that we see the future and the world around us as something that is very divine-influenced is that we are partners with God to determine the future. Even though God is, is, knows everything and he knows what the future looks like, that future is not yet written, and our prayers make all the difference in the world for what happens in the future. And how, the opportunities that God gives us and the ways that uh, the world is going to be 20 years from now depends a whole lot on my prayers today and, and the prayers of all of God's people all around the world. And boy, I think when we look through Scripture, going from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament, we can see that this perspective is the best place for us to land. As we realize that maybe some of the most powerful things that I can do today is, is not something that I say to my neighbor or not some polished response that I give to, to a, a response to, or a question that someone, someone gives about or poses about God, but that I start the day and I go through the day praying and be, as a result of that pray, prayer, I am partnering with God, and there's all sorts of responses and, and opportunities that God gives that would never have been available during that time. Okay, that is just a very surface view on, on looking at this. But we're going to go back from here and look at that. Okay, if we're approaching God, 
prayer from the perspective of, I am a partner with God working to change the world and to the world to look more like him. What types of things should I be praying about? We go back to Matthew chapter 6, and Luke chapter 11 has a very similar prayer from Jesus. And I think it's noteworthy that both of the times these prayers are given, and this is what we're going to look at, is called the Lord's Prayer oftentimes in our world. But in Luke, Jesus gives this prayer as a response to his disciples saying, Lord, why don't you teach us how to pray? I believe the disciples growing up, in going to synagogues, growing up with families that were godly people, it seems to be that was the, the general case there with the disciples, they would have known how to pray. Okay? They would have known how to pray, how they had been taught how to pray. But they heard something different in the prayers of Jesus that changed them. And so they approach him and say, Jesus, we, okay, <laughs> there's some things that we're missing here in how we approach God. Will you please teach us? What do you know? What, do you, what are you doing that makes you approach God the way you do? And and the prayer is very similar to what we see in Matthew chapter 6. And this is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And what Jesus is teaching here, he's talking about, if you go to the beginning of chapter 6, and we went through some of this on Wednesday night during our Bible discussion time, is that Jesus says, when you do your acts of righteousness, this is how you're supposed to approach things. And so he's talking about prayer here. And, and we're going to read through this and, uh, and then break it, break it down a little bit. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if we forgive each other when they sin against you, when we forgive other people when they sin against you, excuse me, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your heavenly your Father will not forgive your sins. Okay, so let's let's break this down a little bit because there is I've, there's all sorts of different ways that I've heard this Lord's Prayer presented, and and that this is an outline for how we should pray to God. I'm not sure about all that. What I do know is that twice in Matthew and Luke, Jesus shares is these are this is how I pray. This is how I, I approach God. And so we're going to try to draw out just a few things from this today in, in hopefully helping us understand better on how we should approach God when we pray and be a community of the Holy Spirit. First of all, you notice there in verse 9, Jesus starts with honoring God. And that's where it all starts. Because if we don't have a high view of God and we don't honor Him, then what's the point of praying? What's the point of approaching God if, if we think that, that He is not sovereign and great and He is, can really make a difference? And so that's where prayers start. They start with us uh, approaching God in, in, um, in, in a lot of humility and raising him up and, and referring to his greatness. And you look through, again, prayers from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament, you see this theme over and over again. His people praying to God starting off with this, this, this offering we can say it that way, offering of words, saying, God, you are great, you are powerful, you have done all these different things. Look at the Psalms, for example. You see a whole lot of this. Look at all that you have done, and because you are this great and powerful God, I'm going to bring my thoughts and my requests to you. And here goes. What we see next is, in verse 10, a, a prayer for God's mission. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. That's really what Jesus came to do, isn't it? To, to establish this kingdom of the Holy Spirit that would go out and would share his message of the death, burial, and resurrection. 
and the forgiveness of sins to everyone who would listen so that many people could become disciples. So this is what Jesus prays for here. He prays for God's mission to go out, that Jesus' kingdom to come, not in the sense that it hasn't come already, but it continues to advance and will come to complete fruition someday when Jesus comes back to uh, and, and returns to take us home with him. And so God's mission is something that's important for us to pray for. Uh, let's think about that for a second. That's something I know that when Everett Hufford came here a while back, he talked about making sure that the church here, we as a people, go from survival mode to a mode of mission and looking out in the community and looking around just each one of us individually saying, what can to be a person of mission that makes a difference in God's kingdom and makes a difference in the world around? Now, the greatest opportunity some of us will have are opportunities not necessarily from from official church programs, if we want to call them that. And those are great, and there's great need for for all sorts of different things that that we uh, engage in with the church. But I think about this, um, and I I shared this with the Wednesday night family Bible discussion time. I I got the chance to help out with um, the bike rodeo this last week. Uh, this last Wednesday it happened, and I love doing that that kind of stuff. It's great. All the kids running around on bikes, just uh, just this this great organized or or not so organized chaos that is that is happening. Uh, the uh, state one of the State Farm agents in town, Ty Elliott, organizes that, and he and I have kids that are the same age. So whenever there's a school concert or something like that, we always run run across each other. And so he he called and asked if I would help out. Glad to help out with with something like that. But as the kids were coming through. So many of them, I just kept thinking, I, I wonder what their spiritual situation is. And I had the opportunity to talk with some parents, but I, I looked out and I thought, man, what can I do? I feel like I'm so inadequate to make a difference where all of these children and all of these families that I, I met last Wednesday afternoon. And the key to that is to think, if all of us can think about God's mission in every day of our life, and it's not just me, it's not just a couple of people, but I believe that some of those people that came through, they're people that I don't know at all, but I bet you do. And maybe you work with them, maybe you live next door to them. And because they know you personally, you have a lot more influence with them than I do at this point in time, or maybe ever will. And so going next door and finding ways to to have some common ground to start spiritual discussions, inviting them to participate in the VBS that we'll have this summer, that we're welcoming kids from the community to come and participate. You know, Any number of things, but planting seeds wherever you are to make a difference. All of us are doing that on a regular basis. What we're doing is we're participating in God's mission that is going out to the world and making a difference. The greatest mission work and the greatest missions that we'll ever do are usually right next door or with our family members, people that that you specifically have influence with and opportunity to influence right now. And so praying for God's mission. All of us can pray for that in some different ways, but pray that right now where I'm at, God can use me to be part of his mission to make a difference. Jesus also prays for basic needs. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, I know that, um, I don't know, all of us have times, probably all of us here have had times where we feel like we just can't quite put enough on the table. It seems like those basic necessities are um, where the paycheck just doesn't go quite to the end of the month, those type of things. We've lived with those, all of us have had those moments in time. And during those times, it becomes really difficult to focus on anything else except survival. 
and oftentimes our spiritual life, it, can be, it wrestles during that time. Now, out of that, we can grow into something much, much greater and have much more faith. But when we're just not sure where the next meal is coming from, it's hard, it's hard during those times. And there tends to be a lot of anxiety and a lot of tension in our lives. Maybe the key to that is realizing that as children, when we approach as God's children, uh, realizing God is going to provide. I know that my kids don't tend to worry too much about what is in the refrigerator because there always seems to be something there. And maybe for us, that's the way to approach God, is realizing that, God, I don't know where the next stuff's going to come from. I'm looking at the bills that are sitting here before me, and it seems like the dollar's not going to stretch enough. But I know that somehow, I know that I'm your child, and somehow you're going to work in this and help me to just approach this in faith and, and live that way. And maybe a part of it as well is praying for our daily basic needs is just praying simply for God, help me to be content where I'm at and realize the difference between needs and wants. And in our, in our society, in our culture, is that line is blurred a whole lot. Is sometimes we talk a lot about things that we need that are not real needs at all, so we can survive without a whole lot of things. But uh, just being content with what we have in our situation. He also prays for forgiveness, and he prays for temptation. Okay, These are sin issues, or soul issues, if we can call it that way. That as forgive, we pray for forgiveness of our sins, but you notice in here twice, as mentioned, it's mentioned in chapter or verse 12 and then verses 14 and 15 again, there's a real emphasis that Jesus places on forgiveness. Because being a community of the Holy Spirit is impossible if we are not people that are actively practicing forgiveness with each other. It does not work. Because we end up arguing, we end up bickering, we end up going our different, different ways. And it isn't until we say in our hearts, say, I'm going to be a person that lives out forgiveness day in, day out. Because I know God has forgiven me. And I'm going to approach life that way. Then it changes us. And we together with all the differences and all the baggage that we bring, we can live together in harmony because we are a people of forgiveness. And also, he prays for keeping he prays for God to keep temptation far away. There's always those temptations every one of us have that are going to become flying in from left field at some point in time that we have to wrestle through. And continually praying to God that he keeps those in check and doesn't uh, and keeps our, our, our spiritual strength up so that we're not dragged away into sin. Uh, that's something that we should always be praying for. If we, if we, start, if we stop praying for that and, um, and we have resistance to praying for, keeping, for God to keep temptation away from us, that's a real red flag that there's some kind of sin that we want to pursue and we just don't want to deal with it at this point in time. And so praying for God to keep temptation away and keep sin away is, is important for us. You look at all those, this is an exhaustive list of things that we should pray for. But one thing I did think of that kept coming up in my mind this week is that this is, as Jesus is approached by his disciples on two different occasions, these are the central things that are important for us to be praying for. And you look at these, all of these are things that ultimately have impact for eternity. Um, and it got me thinking, because we tend to, our prayers tend to show our hearts, you know, what, what really makes us tick and what, what's really going on inside of us. And as I, I prayed through that and I thought through that this week, one of the things that I thought about for myself is that there's, uh, there's some things that, um, that, that's easy to pray for and I tend to pray for a lot. For example, uh, personal comfort. 
Okay, now this is, this is a sneaky one because in our world, personal comfort is one of those values that is extremely highly regarded. Uh, there's, there's different, in different countries around the world, different cultures, different things are highly regarded. Personal comfort is huge for us in our world. And as we see, there's lots of different prayers in Scripture for people to be healed and people to be, uh, to be uh, taken care of, to be safe, all of that type of thing. But something I noticed when I read through some of the prayers in the book of Acts and some other prayers this week, something I noticed, it, it just kind of hit me as I was thinking through this, is I wonder if some of my prayers for healing sometimes are not simply just prayers for personal comfort that are cloaked in the, in the, in the, the holy words of healing. Okay? What I mean by that is that there's times where I know that I can pray for, for personal healing or healing for somebody in my family or healing for one of us, and because of sickness that is happening. And I think we should pray for those things. You see that in Scripture. That's a very godly thing for us. God's a healer, and that's what we're supposed to do. But at times, I wonder if some of those prayers that I'm praying are not just very simply prayers for personal comfort, that I just want to be healthy so I don't have to deal with this anymore. And as we look through Scripture, and you see examples of this, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 is a great example of this. Paul talks about how and I think he's talking about himself. I think that's part of the irony of 2 Corinthians 12 when you read through that. As he talks about, I've seen all these wonderful things, all these powerful things from God. And as something to keep me humble came along, he says, a messenger from Satan that was sent to give a thorn in my side. Now, we don't know what that is. We don't know if it was a health issue. We don't know if it was a spiritual problem. We don't know anything about what that is. There's all sorts of guesses. But Paul says, I prayed three times that God would take it away from me. And God's response was, my grace is sufficient for you. And so God's response was, no, I will not take this pain out of your side. I'm not going to do it. My grace is sufficient for you. And Paul goes on to continue to speak. And let's look at that, what he says right afterwards in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, and in insults, and in hardships, and persecution, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And so what Paul is saying is that maybe somewhere in all of this, what was not going to be the right answer for me was to get the, the thorn taken out of my side. That's what I was praying for, and that's what I wanted, because I wanted this pain to be gone. However, God's response was, my grace is sufficient for you. And what I learned from that is that I will rejoice in the fact that I am weak, that I have not everything together. And through this pain, through this difficulty, I have learned that I needed to go deep with God, and I've learned some things um, somehow, and maybe been an example in some way, that I could not have been otherwise. And boy, that's a prayer that's sometimes hard for me to wrap my head and heart around because when I pray for to honor God, I pray for God's mission, for basic needs to be met, for forgiveness and temptation, what I'm not for praying for is my personal comfort. What I'm praying for is that I can be an example of a mission and, and be part of God's mission that makes a difference in the world. And that might cause personal discomfort for me on occasions. Now, 
what I don't want you to walk away from right now is saying, okay, I'm not going to pray then. I'm going to try to avoid that because I'm, I'm not sure that I, I want to subject myself to that. But what I see in my own life and what I see in Scripture is that when we approach God praying for these core issues that he wants us to, is that God, he wants his kingdom to grow. He wants his kingdom to expand. He wants us to expand as people. And he wants us to look more and more like what he wants us to every day. And when we approach God in praying that way, he has his way of responding and changing us. And uh, I, I don't know, if, I've never met anybody that has lived a life of faith and a life of courageous prayer that has looked back somewhere in life and said, man, I wish I wouldn't have been so courageous. I wish I wouldn't have prayed for, for God's kingdom to continue to advance. I wish, I wish I would have just prayed for my own personal comfort and to, to try to avoid any type of hardship whatsoever. I've never heard that. I've never seen it. Because we start realizing what Paul was talking about is that when God does not answer the prayers the way that we ask him to, maybe there's a reason, and maybe we won't know now, but out of that weakness and out of that frustration, we can see that God is working somewhere for us and working somewhere for his kingdom. And that's something that we can be excited about, that God is using us in some way to, to bring about something glorious and beautiful that is beyond our recognition right now. We're going to finish up here. Um, and I was... Uh, hmm, we'll, do this, we'll do this another time. I was going to take some time for us to and pray through each one of these and then just give you some time as we, we pray together as people to pray silently to yourselves. And we won't do that today. I'll just finish up with a prayer, a general prayer that is, that is praying for these things. And then we'll, uh, we'll have a, a, a song that you can come. If you want to become a Christian today or you would like uh, just prayers of the church, you're welcome to come forward. There's also elders waiting in the back to pray with you if you would like to pray as well. And then we will uh, uh, conclude with our, our encouragement of, of people and the happy birthdays and stuff here in a minute. But let's pray together. Father in heaven, we are uh, so grateful that all that you do for us, and uh, that you've given us the gift of prayer, this gift of, of grace that we can approach you and speak to you. And as we go along in life, we realize that uh, uh, as we mature spiritually, that, that prayer is, is not simply just, uh, just praying for what we want or what we desire, but, but ultimately praying for what you desire. And as we, come in, as we become more and more that way and our hearts change, we find that um, there is... Uh, we come step in, we, we become more and more in step with what you want us to be and become truly more what you have designed us to be. And that is so freeing and so, um, so glorious. God, we pray that uh, we're so thankful for you and the great power that you have. We want to pray for your mission here in the Gallatin Valley and all over the world that each one of us can be involved in some way that, uh, that we don't see ourselves as just people that are that are on the take, but people that are that are here and are 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 designed to to give and to plant seeds of your kingdom and in your message wherever we are. Help us to uh, our basic needs to be taken care of, and if there's any among us that basic needs aren't taken care of, I pray that the the others, the rest of us, can can be a blessing to them, and so that there's no one that is needy among us. We pray for forgiveness and that we can be a forgiving people. And we pray for all the temptations, and, and I, I pray that all of us, as we're thinking and praying through this right now, the temptations that we have, and there's, uh, all of us, I'm sure there's something coming into our mind of, of something that we're wrestling with that we're trying to, to put to death in our sinful nature. 
My prayer, our prayer today is that you work in that to, to take that away, to, to destroy that sin in our lives and to take that temptation away. And we want to pray as well that whatever, in any ways that, uh, uh, for all of us that, that you can work to help us all be a living sacrifice and, a, and, a, and an object of grace that the world can see. And we know as we go out into the world this week, I pray that our time together, uh, taking the Lord's Supper and praying and, and hearing your message, that all of us and our lives can be transformed and that we can continue to live as a living sacrifice and that people can see that and their lives be changed as well. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen.